I think it will go up and down. I think it's just been through a peak and it's probably going to be lower now and then hopefully in a few years' time there'll be another peak. Welcome to Superfad, a brand new podcast from Stuff. I'm Laura Walters. And I'm Katie Kenny. You may be able to guess from what we just heard that this is a podcast series about trends. And as part of the series, we'll be delving into how different trends have come about and why some have become so huge and why others have just fizzled out. We'll be looking at trends from all kinds of different subject areas, health, beauty, lifestyle, science, technology, and at times we'll be immersing ourselves in the trend so that you don't have to. Exactly. We're going to become method podcasters. And we will hear a little bit later on in this episode about how Katie spent at least four whole days wearing a waist trainer. I did that because today's super fad is about waist trainers. If you don't know what they are, they're essentially a piece of stretchy material you put around your middle to accentuate your hourglass figure. Yeah, they're kind of like a modern day corset. We heard from Ia Liu at the start, and she's become a millionaire from selling these products in New Zealand and Australia. And a little bit later on in the podcast, we're also going to hear from an academic about whether you can be a feminist and still wear a waist trainer. But first we'll be listening to Colin Mathura Jeffrey, who is a big part of New Zealand's fashion industry. And he told us that he spotted this trend coming years ago. Sometimes you can pick it up on the street. You know, there'll be that odd uh, sort of a trend that'll pick up somewhere quite exotic. Like I, I noticed before the waist trainers came out, I noticed there were a lot of these um, uh, 50s kind of girls coming out with corsets on and these beautiful dresses. And, I, and that was pre this trend hitting it big, bigger. So uh, you, you can always sense the trend happening and, and where it goes. And I've always found that the pendulum swings. So it'll be this, and then all of a sudden, uh, you might be calling me up and saying, what's happened to women's figures? They've got massive shoulder pads on, and the, <laughs> and the figure's totally hidden behind a, you know, a, a reverse A kind of jacket. Whether it's not showing any figure, have we lost our femininity? So there's a pendulum will always swing back and forth. Don't you think it's crazy that women are so fixated on changing their body shapes and what they look like? Women come in wonderful shapes and sizes, and uh, and every advertising is more often than not built on fear of what you're not. So then they're they're tricking you into going, you know, you must have this, you must have that. And, uh, and it'll build your self-esteem when it actually tears it apart. So what, what you actually have to do is take off all your clothes, look at yourself in the mirror, and fall in love with your own body. Colin, I was going to ask as well, have you ever worn anything like a waist trainer or I've anything? Worn a corset. To, oh, yeah. I've worn, no, I wore a corset in a photo shoot. A stylist from the Philippines did a shoot here, and they put a corset on me. And um and a suit uh, over top, so the corset was visibly a corset. I nearly died. I mean, I, the, what, they were pulling and tugging, and everything was going in. I felt like it had connected right into my spine, and that my, you know, it, my guts had gone up into my lungs. And when I looked in the mirror, because I thought I'd be really tiny, when I looked in the mirror, it just looked normal. <laughs> <laughs> All that pain and suffering for nothing. <laughs> Honestly, I was dragged along the floor. They were, you know, they were they were pulling it up. I've worn a corset a couple of times actually for um, for shoots. Just just real uh, high fashion, crazy editorial. If it, if it hurts, it's high fashion. 
<laughs> so Colin's experience with the corset sounded horrendous, if not traumatic. But we said earlier that part of the deal with this podcast series was that we would try out these trends so that you don't have to. So Katie really took one for the team and donned the waist trainer for almost a week. That's right. We found that the best deal was online. We bought one from a sex shop and had it delivered to work. Sorry, we just need to rewind there, Katie. You said that very flippantly. We used the work credit card to buy a, what, about $40 waist trainer. It was $20. A $20 waist trainer from Peaches and Cream, and the poor receptionist had to deliver the branded bag to your desk in front of everyone. Yes. So I wore it for a few evenings, put it on after work, and then I thought, no, if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it properly. So I wore it from then on about 10 hours a day for a week. And and what, what did it feel like? What were your first impressions when you put on this spandex waist trainer? It's very, very tight. I don't know if I've... Actually, I have worn something as tight. If you've ever worn Skins compression gear, it's that tight. So I felt like I was putting on a big bandage. One of the things that the companies um, which sell these waist trainers tout as one of the biggest benefits is weight loss. And they say that that happens through appetite suppression. Did you feel like your appetite was suppressed while you were wearing it? Did you eat less? I think, first of all, we should be clear that it doesn't physically restrict your organs in any way I spoke to a few doctors about it and with corsets they would physically shuffle around your internal organs like your kidneys and your liver but a waist trainer is much more flexible than that and it doesn't do that it's just mental games yeah I think. maybe not the the healthiest way to to lose weight is to guilt people out of eating but anyway um and you you also said that it was quite tight did you feel like it changed the way you breathed I know that you've mocked me for this in the past, but I'm really conscious about intercostal diaphragmatic breathing. And having this pressing against my stomach made me much more of a shoulder breather, which isn't good for long periods of time. Another thing that is suggested when you wear these waist trainers is wearing them while exercising or wearing to the gym. Did you do that at all? Definitely not. That would be super gross because you'd sweat a lot in it. They're very tight and I knew that you'd be trying it on at some stage. So I wanted to be a bit kind about that. But the other thing is I I don't wear very tight clothing exercising anyway. And I'm not really much of a gym person either. So I'm always in loose singlets and t-shirts. And there's no way I would be wearing something as restrictive as this when I'm running or, or cycling or, you know, doing whatever. You, you wore it for quite a while, almost a week, and for some days you said that you wore it for up to 10 or 11 hours a day. What is your overall impression? Would you, would you recommend it? Some days I put it on and I would get this rush of excitement at the idea of taking it off 11 hours later because the feeling when you unclip it is like nothing else. It's so freeing. And even though nothing's changed physically, any flab that you had is still there because it doesn't take that away. It's such a relief to just lie on the couch and, and breathe deeply. I don't think that's what the waist trainer manufacturers want to hear you say. It's worth wearing it so that you can take it off. I've been wearing the waist trainer all week, but now Laura is going to give it a go for the first time. I couldn't escape it for any longer. I wanted to start by saying that I love the smell of this. And I know that that's weird, Katie, because you've been wearing it for a week. Yeah. Against my skin. (laughs) It has has a great smell. Um, I, I used to do ballet, and it reminds me of the smell of a new pair of ballet shoes. But I think that that's... 
the elastic. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. yes, I'm giving it a crack. We're in the studio. Laura's. Wow, you're going for the the tighter. Oh, what am run. I doing? There are three adjustable levels to the waist trainer. <laughs> Much like a bra strap, you can pick it up tighter or looser. And Laura, Laura, no, don't undo it. She's no, going I for the tighter. No, I'm going for the loosest one. I just had lunch. So I'm taking Katie's advice and I am starting by doing up the, the hooks at the very bottom and the very top and then working my way into the middle. But I should really point out that when I first held this waist trainer up, around my midriff it maybe made it halfway around my body so the rest of getting the you've the clasps, missed one. Oh, sorry yeah getting the clasps to meet in the middle that that took quite a bit of pulling so you kind of get a get a sense of how tight it is so you've got it on now you're sort of adjusting yourself <laughs> yes. how are you feeling good I I'm immediately aware of my midriff um it, it really it does it does pull you in quite firmly at the waist and it does feel tight. It's not, it doesn't hurt. It's not overly uncomfortable, but it's not, it's not really comfortable either. Mm. So do you, does it make you more conscious of, I mean, you've got a very little waist anyway, but does it make you conscious of redistributed folds and? <laughs> yes, I can, I can feel, so I can feel that my waist is pulled in, but then I can also feel that there are little, little rolls here and there. And you're right it immediately makes you think that you've got little bits of fat here and little bits of fat there it makes you aware I mean for all I know it could be skin mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with that but you could under you understand um that kind of psychological effect that it has on people and especially when you move around a bit I mean you can move around but um you, you start to develop these little rolls on your sides and on your front so yes as I said I I don't really wear very tight-fitting clothing when I exercise, but you obviously, having done ballet, you'd have a different experience. Do you think that you could move around in this? Oh, absolutely. I've worn things much tighter than this and much more uncomfortable and managed to to dance in it, you know, tutus and and things of the like with, you know, quite... um, quite restrictive boning and and I'm just moving around here side to side and I can tell that there's enough movement in there. So I could definitely wear it, um... But would you wear it? I, I wouldn't. I mean, by choice, I wouldn't wear it. To me, it just feels like another costume at the moment. It feels like something you wear for a short amount of time for a specific purpose, and then you take it off. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be my choice. I mean, life is hard enough without wearing clothing that's uncomfortable. As much as we laugh about it and find it a bit silly, this is actually a multi-million dollar business in New Zealand. Ia Leo, who we heard from at the very start of the podcast, has become incredibly wealthy thanks to this trend. This year, she's on track to make $5 million in revenue and is selling around about 2,000 waist trainers every week in Australia and New Zealand alone. She couldn't onto the trend a couple of years ago, but more recently her business took off because she enlisted one of the Kardashian sisters to post a picture to Instagram for her. Yes, she um, got in touch with Kylie Jenner through an agent online and paid her $300,000 to do one Instagram post and that really launched her business. And I've seen these advertisements in my social media feeds as well. Someone else who's seen them is University of Auckland lecturer Kirby Jane Hallam. Ladies, what's the trending new secret to a perfect hourglass shape? Celebrities and fashion models are tweeting all about it. It's waist training and now it's as easy as one, two, one, two. Um, my first encounter with the trend or the phenomena was when I had a targeted ad 
that I saw in my social media feed. Um, what I mean, I was targeted with the exact same Facebook ads, mm-hmm. and my first response <laughs> was like, "What are you trying to tell me? Do you think I need to lose weight?" But how was oh, it for yeah. you to actually? And what, what, I mean, what what was your take on that? Obviously, you said that um, you kind of saw it as a gimmick, but you know, that with them picking young women and specifically targeting. targeting yeah. Women. I'm a generally curious mind, I guess, as a sort of gender studies um, academic. I clicked through and I thought, oh, well, you can pay for the click. I'll see what this is. Already my colleagues in 19th century studies had started to draw parallels with the corset. Um, and, you know, we the past, you know, history often sort of repeats and we need to look to the past often to understand the present. Um, and in terms of, you know, women's roles in society and the kind of constrictions that were put on women socially, um, you know, the corset kind of backed that up and sort of reinforced, you know, prescribed gender roles for women. And I think now, you know, when we've kind of broken out of that essentially in in many cultures, um, it's interesting to see it return and that I do find that part quite unsettling. Mm, Yeah, so we we fought so hard to get out of the corset essentially and now we're we're just popping ourselves back in there. Yeah, and also if you look to literature from the 19th century, um, there's a couple of examples in novels of characters being laced up, I guess, in these garments. And a lot of the scenes are quite, they use quite the language of violence. Um, there's a reference in Dickens's Bleak House to the woman being violently compressed about the waist. Um, Madame Bovary, a French novel from later in the, in the century, talks about pulling her thin corset string so violently that it hissed like a snake winding itself around her hips. You know, so it wasn't something particularly pleasant back then, but women kind of suffered through it because it was society's expectation that they conform to this body type. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is is the difference now that it's women's choices? I mean, yeah. not that this is the – not all of society is saying we need to – um, go back to the hourglass figure. That's what's yeah. desired. So every woman should be wearing a waist trainer. Or are, are we kind of doing that to women anyway via advertising and marketing yeah, and people that, like the Kardashians? Yeah, I think you're getting to the heart of it there. So on one hand, you could argue that well, women now have a choice whether to put on that garment. They're not going to be excluded from society for being improper or not conforming to feminine ideals. And it was actually mothers that gave their daughters corsets it wasn't you know so it's kind of a part of women's culture and now you think okay well I don't have to put on a waist trainer but the power of advertising and the power of social media the power of celebrity endorsement is again something that we need to question um if it's having that kind of effect I I've in kind of getting to know a little bit more about the modern version of it I have heard instances of schoolgirls, you know, young, younger, younger women feeling like they have to um, take on this garment to achieve a particular ideal. And I think that's particularly damaging when, you know, they're still developing mentally, but also physically. The body's not finished its growth at that point and to kind of conform it to a particular figure or silhouette that it's not necessarily designed to look like, I think, yeah, that, that, that's where I, again, would raise concern. After your experience with the waist trainer, Katie, and knowing what we now know about the garment, would you wear it again by choice? I definitely wouldn't wear it again by choice. 
I don't, I don't wear shapewear of any kind. It's too uncomfortable. I don't like wearing uncomfortable clothes, so I can't see myself getting into a waist trainer again anytime soon. But you wear high heels, right? And sometimes they're uncomfortable. Yes, I know. This is, I, and I don't know. I don't know whether that means that I'm a bad feminist because I do like wearing heels. I do like wearing makeup. I like nice clothes, but at the same time, I, I don't really like investing in things that are, I don't know, not utilitarian. <laughs> I guess maybe the difference is doing it for the right reasons, doing it for you because you feel better about yourself, wearing high heels and makeup because it makes you feel good and confident about yourself, not doing it because you feel like, you know, you should look a certain way or you should have a certain figure. Well, that's what the course it was about, right? It was conforming to gender norms that women weren't allowed to move around. They had to sit at home all day because they were wearing this thing that basically suffocated them. And that's not what a waist trainer is about. We would love to hear your thoughts on this trend. Would you ever consider wearing a waist trainer? If you'd like to hear more about our experience, you can go to the Superfad page on Stuff. Stuff.co.nz forward slash Superfad. You can also join our Superfad Facebook group where Laura and I will tune in to answer any questions you might have and share relevant stories and photos from recording. We'll also be doing Facebook Live videos every Monday where we discuss in more detail the issues raised in each episode. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Kenny Katie. And I'm at Walters Laura. Thanks so much for listening to our first episode of Superfad. We will have a new episode for you every Friday. Our second episode is on cryptocurrency, where Katie and I attempt to become crypto billionaires. This episode was made by us. Alex Liu is our technical producer, and John Hardevelt is our executive producer.